UK Motor Talk at the Rolls-Royce Enthusiasts Club, South of England Rally, 2023. Well, we're at this wonderful collection of uh, Rolls-Royces at, at Stansted House. I say Rolls-Royces, there are some Bentleys as well, and there's obviously a historical reason for that. I'm here with Ted Meacham. Ted, you're the head of the organising committee in this loosest sense. Yes. But you've been doing this for a very long time, this event. Probably getting on for 30 years. <laughs> and you've got well over 100 cars here, thanks. Yes, think, yes. I'm hoping that uh, with this fine weather, we'll get uh, possibly uh, 30 turning up on the day who haven't pre-booked. So you're looking at getting towards 150. Possibly, yeah. That's quite a collection. And an enormous age spread, I, I noticed just... Uh, oh, 100 years or more. Yeah. yeah. I think the oldest car, well, it's just over there, is 1923. Mm. It looks like it just came out of the factory. And it's, that one's 2023. <laughs> right, exactly. I believe this is the uh, oldest car here today, 1923. That's it, so, so it's 100 years old. Your name, sir? My name is Michael Sapsford. And do I understand this, this car's been in your family for quite some years? I've owned it twice. First time round, I bought it in 1957. And then about 64 it went out of the family. And about 25 years ago, the family who owned it then asked me if I'd like to have it back. So I said, oh yes, all right. So I've but it's, it's, I had it back again for about 25 years now. I would say it's in wonderful condition. I mean, it's a, a tribute to you. It's not, it's not overly restored. It's always been sort of, you know, fairly... It's never had to have one of those ground-up restorations. It's not had the body taken off or anything like that. Uh, mechanically, it seems all right and it seems to go quite well, but of course it hasn't got any brakes on its front wheels. Rear wheel braking, which was the thing then. Much described as needing a little anticipation, the braking. <laughs> that would be a good thing to people to remember these days as well. We were going to talk to, and have talked to one or two people about the, the notion of coach building because it, it no longer exists, but this obviously wasn't built by Rolls-Royce, this is somebody else's body on it. Oh, that's right, yes, Rolls-Royce provided the engine, all the chassis, all the running gear, and then you went to the coach builder to, to get your bodywork done, and you told Rolls-Royce what you were going to put on, so in fact, if you were going to put like a sort of more sporty body like this, they, they lowered the steering column, they altered all the pedals and things to suit that sort of body. Rolls-Royce had to look after the coach builders because they were the people who had the real contact with the gented landed families in this country. They had the customers. So in fact, this, this one, the bodywork here was built by Hooper. Hooper and Barker were perhaps the two best, best quality ones. See, the bodywork cost £650 in 1923. And the Rolls-Royce bid, it was £1,100. These were, were, were never cheap cars, but then they were never intended to be. They were intended to be the best, and by the time this was built in... 1923, I mean, they were well proven as, as the most reliable and best vehicles in the world. They got a very good reputation, and a chap called Claude Johnson was running Rolls-Royce, this ace publicist, and, and he knew exactly how to uh, generate interest and that sort of thing. He was quite clever. So your intention is to keep this in the family through generations?
generations? I hope it will. Well, yes, my, my older son is, you know, is quite okay mechanically, um, and, but my younger son is not quite politely interested, shall we say. Uh, whether they'll keep it or not, I don't know. It's a cost of storage and all that sort of thing, perhaps. Hmm. Let us hope so. I mean, it's a delight to see these things remaining in long-term ownership. I mean, this does happen with classic cars sometimes, but perhaps not classic cars quite as old as this one. Well, we've just looked at the oldest car here, which is 1923, and now we're looking at the latest car here, which is 2023. Your name, sir? You've brought it here from the factory. I'm Morris Best. I'm from Rolls Royce Motor Cars. Which car is it we're looking at? This is the Cullinan. This is the 4x4 off-road vehicle. A lot of our customers were having Phantoms and Ghosts, and then they were going out buying right expensive Range Rovers. So we thought, right, with the BMW backgrounds, we can produce a luxury 4x4, and this is what we come up with. I get the impression it's taken off more in some markets than others. It has. This is one of our best sellers, really, no doubt about it. Mainly, it's the riding position, you're quite high. It does not bulky to drive or hard to drive, it's so smooth. You've got so much electronics in it, it's unbelievable. Uh, you've got four-wheel steering for a fact. So on the motorway, when you need to just turn the wheel a little bit, the rear wheels will turn the same as the front wheels, and it will guide you right across the road rather than drag you across the road. And then when you're in the car park, you've got the advantage of the full lock, and then the rear wheels will do the opposite way. LED headlights, dim dip headlights. If a car's coming the other way, it will dip the headlight that's facing the car coming. The other one will start main beam. Just a matter of interest, I mean, uh, I, I don't know whether you actually will even know this, but what proportion of these is uh, are chauffeur-driven and what proportion owner-driven? Chauffeur-driven is more for the Phantom range. Uh, owners, drivers, cars is more this and the Ghost. But I had a feeling that would be the case. Then again, they virtually all, some of them do have chauffeur driven for all of them. But this is ideal, it's easy access in and out. That's why the idea of the rear doors opening from the rear is so much easier getting in and out of the car. Yeah. So Elegantly. Yes. Not that I have to hitch my skirt up, but, <laughs> but, but I take your point. That's it, yeah. And visibility all round's good. You've got cameras all round, so as soon as you come up to a parking spot, you can see where everything is all around the car and it points up and you've got radars in the front and the rear so if a car comes up behind you and it's a bit too close for comfort it'll put the hazards on for you. I can imagine a lot of circumstances on motorways in this country where that would be very useful. Yes, very very useful. I'll ask you a question that was asked of me on, on radio the other day. Why do we have cup holders in cars? Has this got cup holders? It's got champagne, decanter, fridge. So no messing with something to hold your coffee cups. Oh, no. Decanter. Decanter, drinks decanter. Yeah, and the glasses as well. So yeah, you've got the cups as well as the holder. Far more civilized. That's right. Have you, have you seen the stuff in the boot? You can have a normal bench seat, which the floor folds down and comes up. Right. for storing long luggage or you can have this design which has got they call it a privacy glass partition wall whatever you want and the rear seats just act like a front seats 
okay and then this is an entertainment package it's all done electronically comes out so you can sit on it mainly for races and you've got a picnic yeah. and that's so if, if you're going to the uh, to the races or the point to point that's right to watch the daughter with her latest pony that's right i do accessory for this job how much support do you get from the Rolls Royce factory? I don't necessarily mean financial support, but organisational support. Um, it's very mixed, actually, and COVID interfered with it because we used to do tours of the plant. Yes. Uh, and basically they shut it down and there weren't any tours. But uh, the good thing is they do support us financially each year um, they, apart from bringing a brand new car to put on display, they do give us a lump sum. They do, good. Towards the good. Uh, uh, rally. The, the original uh, policy for the rally was uh, to raise funds for the five sections that are in the south of England. Um, over the years, it lost the term five sections and it's become the South of England Rally. Yeah. And uh, there are three organising sections. Uh, my section, Central Southern, Surrey section, based on the county, and South Eastern section, which is based on Kent and East Sussex. And those three sections share the surplus from, uh, of the takings of the rally. And uh, apart from getting a little bit of sponsorship, um, I don't know if you noticed, but Wilkins from Henley have bought their yes, 1949 removal wagon, which is an absolute delight. They, they sponsor us as well. And uh, the insurance company, um, they keep changing their name. <laughs> it was Richardson Hoskins, and it was A-Plan, and now it's Howden's. <laughs> but it's good that you've got some support in that way. Yes. With the change of ownership, which was 1998, evolved to 2000, but there's, there's come with it a, an enormous respect, I think, from BMW for the brand. Do, do the members feel that, or is that just my perception? I certainly do, because if it hadn't have been for BMW, I'm sure the mark would have died. It would have disappeared. I've got with me a very, very special guest, a gentleman, I've not met for nearly 20 years, Friedrich Fred Fruith. Fred, because you're so well known in this country, and you're, you are for a, a, a man from Austria. Austria, Austria. I'm born in Austria. But very English, very, very English yes. It all started when I was a child and my elder sister went uh, in the 1950s to London as an au pair girl and she sent me uh, always photos of old of of cars, which these days we would call old cars, <laughs> uh, from the streets of London, and I fell in love with these cars. And when she returned, she brought me a double-decker bus model, and I got very Anglophile ever since. <laughs> <laughs> so you've you've had an involvement, if you like, with Rolls Royces since since a child, but your your involvement became much more formalised when as a long time i think you've been with bmw for 30, maybe 30 years, years yes. yeah. and then who better to pick to to head the project at goodwood as, as bmw did when 
they bought Rolls-Royce from uh, Volkswagen, who'd bought it, and I think sold on very cheaply the best part of it. BMW, I think, got a bargain. Well, I have to correct this a little bit. We did not buy it from Volkswagen. We bought not the factory in Kruger, so this went to Volkswagen, but we bought the brand Rolls-Royce for automotive business. That is the correct description from Rolls-Royce PLC. They were the owner of the brand and still are. But we did not just get a license, we bought it for automotive business from Rolls-Royce, whereas Volkswagen bought the old factory in Crewe, including the brand Bentley, which was not affected by this deal. That was separate. And this is also the, the reason why the two brands are now separate again mm. after 71 years of combined business. And in our opinion, it was a very good decision because it did both brands good. They are better than ever in yes. these days. They had the chance to develop in their own direction again. So BMW asked you to come over here as, as head of PR for the project. And this is a project that wasn't even, even out of the ground at that stage. And I seem to remember that this is a point at which we met. The PR team was you and Irene. Yes, correct. But in fact, your role appeared to be much greater than just uh, the head of PR. You seem to be keeping an eye on the development of the factory. And I mean, it's a, a marvelous design. I remember you explaining to me exactly why it was designed the way it was. Well, in, in those days, it wasn't really a matter of PR because we agreed not to talk about the new factory as long as Volkswagen carried on to sell Rolls-Royce motor cars. That was an agreement because we wanted to make sure as long as we needed to build up the new place, Rolls-Royce should still be on the worldwide market. Otherwise, the brand would have died. Sure. So they, they said, OK, we carry on building Rolls-Royce motor cars, but you must promise not to talk about the future products. And this is why PR work was totally exempt. My job really was to come over, win over the local authorities, the national authorities, the government even, I went as far as Tony Blair, to get planning permission for a brand new factory and headquarters, because the old one was sold to Volkswagen. Mm. So we had the brand Rolls-Royce, but nothing else. We had to start a completely new factory and uh, uh, employ a new team of staff etc. And that was my role. One year ahead of anybody else, I moved to Chichester to set it all up and do these negotiations with the authorities. That's an awful lot of work, for, for, oh, yes, for given your background, and, and difficult stuff to do. I mean, I, I met your boss, um, and I've commented in the past very favourably on him. He's the most one of the most prescient men I think I've ever met in the motor industry. You're a close second, I have to say, in that because you uh, went way beyond your role. But then BMW knew that you could do that and you dealt with Rolls-Royce with respect, which some might not have done. Yes, because we had a, a man who guided this project Rolls-Royce, as we called it, and he said, 
most of us, not all of us, but most of us were BMW people. And he said, first of all, before you start to put pencil to paper, you have to learn as much as you can about Rolls-Royce. That is not a BMW. It has to be completely different and it has to stay what it is, a Rolls-Royce. So he forced us to learn during a period of six months everything we could get hold of uh, Rolls-Royce to make sure we know what we are doing in future. And this was the time when I met the famous designer John Bletchley of Rolls-Royce, the man who designed the Silver Cloud model, which in many people's view is the most beautiful and attractive post-war Rolls-Royce ever built. And when I asked John Bletchley, um, how did he design this car, what was his briefing? He said, I had no wind tunnel or any computer or this. All the board of Rolls-Royce, the old factory people, told me uh, their briefing was build a car, design a car that looks like a stately home on wheels. <laughs> and this is what he did. When you look at the Silver Cloud, it's still a most impressive, beautiful car. And that was our role. We had to learn first what makes a Rolls-Royce a Rolls-Royce and then start to build uh, the factory and, and, and uh, employ staff, uh, find a dealer network, and last but not least, attract customers and owners of Rolls-Royce, which were the future. BMW have taken it on and have presumably made money, but they've certainly grown the brand. I don't know for sure, but I understand that the Rolls-Royce division is the most profitable division in BMW. <laughs> I, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, we are no. looking uh, cars now, but I mean, the, the cars are always very expensive. Let's be honest, they, they were always bespoke, hand-built, yeah. beautifully engineered, um, and that tradition is still there. Um, and what's coming out of the Chichester factory is really a quarter of a million pounds plus, between a quarter of a million oh, pounds yes. and half a million pounds. But if you are so minded and do have that disposable income, they have value for money. Oh, yes, they are. Mine's now we're just coming up for seven years old and I can honestly say I've had no trouble with it uh, apart from uh, problems uh, created by the driver, shall we say. <laughs> so what, what, what have you got personally? A 2016 Dawn, which is the drophead. That's a statement car really, isn't it? Oh, it, I, I always say whenever I have to go out it's a further opportunity to enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an investment as well. These, none of these cars, I think, are going to well, reduce in value. Or they, they do, oh yes. I mean, it was well over 300,000 new, and if I sold it tomorrow, I might get 175. That's right. Seven years old. Yeah. But then these things tend to go back up in value. At a later that's, stage, that's the graph, you'll, you'll yeah. get a dip. Come out the showroom, plummets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, that was certainly the case with the 80s and 90s cars, which and the Bentleys. Now you can pick up really for a song, but it won't always be that way. You know, now yeah. is the good time to perhaps to invest. You can get a hell of a lot of motor car for not too much money, of like you say, the 80s and 90s cars. Yeah, they, so they're. 
they, they've been separated now through the, that sale and the Bentleys are owned by the Volkswagen Group and the Rolls-Royce by the BMW Group, but they both seem to be doing very well under, yes. under the German companies. Yes, indeed. And personally, I am most grateful to BMW for keeping the mark alive. It's been a huge, huge success story. I mean, the factory now employs, what, 3,000, 3,500 people? 3,5,000. Yep, and they've built another factory, which is a design centre. Uh, or technology centre, I think. Yes. So, I mean, they're constantly obtaining more people in the, in the factory because the demand is enormous. It's it's a it's a win-win project. It's it's been hugely successful, and that's largely down to the BMW push because Rolls-Royce, as uh, a company previously, seemed to have sort of run out of steam. It had certainly run out of money on some occasions. Well, it was a small company in those days and uh, it was the time of the late 80s and early 90s when de uh, developing a new car became extremely expensive for environmental technology, safety technology etc. And they couldn't really earn the money that was needed so they were seeking the help of a larger partner a, a, a group and BMW was already a partner of Rolls-Royce PLC, the air engine manufacturers, and in fact they had a, a common factory in Berlin Dahlowitz, which was owned half by BMW and half by Rolls-Royce PLC. So there were always friendly connections between the two companies, and BMW already was a supplier of electronic uh, compartments for the for the new cars. Uh, which ended up into delivering complete engines and, and other main components. So the, the, the two companies were already working together very closely and it seemed to be a natural thing that they would... Uh, a natural fit, is it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then Volkswagen turned up, they had similar ideas and, and they came into this idea as competitors. And it ended up with, a, in my view, ideal situation and solution, Volkswagen took over the old place and carried on with Bentley and did a marvellous job, there's no yes, question. Yes, they've done a very good job. And BMW um, started from zero with a new factory, um, which is miraculous <laughs> in itself, wonderful place, you know it. Yes, indeed. Um, indeed. And, and, and revitalised the brand and the product Rolls-Royce, and again, if you look at modern Rolls-Royces, they're wonderful cars. And yeah, they are spectacularly and there are, designed. There are really, Built there's a demand worldwide. So I'm quite happy, you know, that's really my baby, and, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm so pleased to see it, it the way it works now. For more from UK Motor Talk at the Rolls-Royce Enthusiasts Club, South of England Rally, 2023, including video of the interviews and spectacular cars, go to ukmotortalk.co.uk, or visit us on YouTube. Follow the links in the episode details. UK Motor Talk is a first-take media production.